maybe 30 years ago, they might have said it's some guy named Elon Musk that wants to start an electric car company that wants to get you involved. Then you don't know who Elon Musk is. You don't know much about electric cars or anything. Well, the first step is to do a lot of research, get as much information as possible before making that investment. So some people will do more research to make a $10,000 investment than they will spend in improving their skills and gathering enough information about a person. And they're about to invest tens of thousands of dollars of salary and time. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamden, your host. On today's episode, we have a repeat guest. Many of you are familiar with Mr. Steve Suggs. In this episode, we take a different view from the past episode that we've had Steve on, but absolutely, I know that this is going to help serve you when you're attracting, developing, and retaining A players. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Steve Suggs. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. And Coach P Consulting will help you do just that by using the same strategies he used to sell over 700 life insurance policies in 2021 alone. Now, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look behind the scenes of his team training and an office that's performing at the highest level. There's a reason Coach P Consulting is the fastest growing coaching company for insurance agency owners in the country. Coach P will train your team alongside his own and show you the exact steps they're taking to achieve Chairman Circle, Exotic Travel, and Multi-Line Presence Club and be one of the few agents to be selected to have a third office. So whether your goal is to be at the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and the tactics to get there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level and his strategies work and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Steve Suggs, welcome back to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My pleasure to be here. Glad to be invited back. Excited to have you. So as we were talking before we hit record, we wanted to, you know, what was the structure of the conversation? So I actually kind of lay this out for our listening audience today. Mm -hmm. I think we want to kind of center this mm. conversation down into sales people, specifically outbound chasing sales acquisition people. And because most of the people listening to this are in the business of or soon want to be able to bring on someone that's going to be in an outbound chaser sales role. But furthermore, I think this to frame our conversation is going to be around Hiring, training, and then management. So it's almost on a continuum. It's the journey that someone comes on as part of our team. So the hiring formula, the training formula, and the management formula. So we're going to dive into each one of those today. So I want to ask you, you have absolutely probably some of the best data on hiring people in general, but also specifically in hiring sales reps. 
What are some of the traits that you've seen in great sales people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you talk about traits, I think it's important to look at human behavior in a holistic way. The first thing that a lot of people who are hiring salespeople want to do is say, okay, what's the simple answer to this question? What is a tool I could use? What are some cool interview questions? Let's get them to meet somebody in the office that has a pretty good intuition. So the first thing to do is to realize it's important to not shortcut the process. And when in today's world, we live in a very complex world, a very complex society. The marketplace is complex. Our culture is complex. So step one is to make the decision a big part of my business is reliant on having quality salespeople who can go out and get sales. I need to become an expert at learning how to hire those people. I think that's number one, because in today's world, it's the new critical skill that's needed. And in order to master that skill, it's important to learn the traits of human behavior that cause someone to be able to sell where others can't, and to also have the right tools in place and know how to use those tools, and also improving interviewing skills. So when it comes to the traits, depending upon the complexity of the product that's being sold, intelligence may be the first thing to measure. Because if somebody's not smart enough to explain the product to somebody else in a way that they can understand it, then that person's not going to trust you and not going to buy from you. I actually bought a car yesterday. I was convinced that the person who was trying to explain the extended warranty and the repair plan, which I actually bought, but it was a battle getting there. I be really believe this person didn't have the intelligence level to explain that to me. Hmm. He also didn't have the communication skills. So making sure that you're hiring people that have the capability of learning your product at a level so that they can not just understand the product, but diagnose the need that that product is going to serve and feel. So once you have a benchmark of how intelligent this person needs to be, then you can begin to measure that intelligence. And it's not just a tool. In our business, we use what we call the learning style survey, which is a 35 question untimed math, verbal and problem solving test. It gives us one piece of data. But you can also look at a person's education level and also look at the work that they've been doing. Have they ever done anything in their life this complicated? It's really amazing how many people who come to us and we're helping them evaluate candidates and they're looking at a very complicated job. It's a very responsible job. And if you look at the resume and say, what's this person's greatest accomplishment? It's 100 miles from where they need to be to be able to start to begin to do this job. So past behaviors is a good predictor of future performance. You can look at the results of a very good validated intelligence test, education and work history. It's also important to realize that a psychology degree or a degree in 14th century poetry is not the same degree as somebody who has a business degree. When you have to, in psychology, sociology, and a lot of these other types of degrees, you're memorizing your way to a degree. You're not problem solving your way to a degree. But in statistics and accounting and finance, problem solving skills are actually learned in math. We learn problem solving skills in elementary and high school math. 
you may forget everything you learned, but if you learn the math, you also learn problem solving. So if problem solving is an important aspect of the job that a person is going to be doing, then it's important to measure intelligence. Depending upon how complex that job is, if it's very complex, then intelligence plays about 20% of what's needed to determine whether or not that person can do that job. And then we talk about personality, and that term is used too loosely by a lot of people. When I talk about personality, I'm talking about hardwired personality traits that determine how people act under pressure. See, selling is under pressure. Being responsible enough to grow and progress and be successful in the job, it puts a person under pressure. And under pressure is when true personality traits come out. If I am wired as an introvert and I'm in an interview and the interview is not very stressful, I may sound like an extrovert. So it's important to define personality. The hardwired personality traits, they're called a lot of different things by a lot of different people, but just some general categories. How fast a person works, whether they're a racehorse, a plow horse, or a trotter, it's generally genetic. The patient heart surgeon versus the racehorse salesperson. Quote a lot, sell a lot, get a lot of things done. And you see this in kids on the playground. You can watch it there. And that's primarily determined by the wiring in the brain about the sense of urgency a person has and also how much a person wants to be in control. Some people are very passive and they want other people to control what they do, how fast they work, what they decide to do. And other people want to figure out, I want to control things. And then extroverts have more energy in sales. It's sort of the most obvious thing. They can handle the objections and rejection and so forth. So in most sales jobs, the person who works faster and is extroverted. Now, the degree to which they work depends on the sales job. If you're calling on hospitals and you need to make five sales a year, you need to be more patient. That's a much more methodical, long-term sales cycle. But if you're working for a burglar arm company and you need to go out and find new customers, then that's usually a short-term sales cycle. So that mm. person needs to move faster. Insurance sales is similar, very transactional, high-volume sales. So the higher the volume of the sales, the shorter the sales cycle, the faster the person needs to work. The lower the volume of the sales, the longer the sales cycle, the more patient the person needs to be. So it's important to determine what type of sales cycle, but even both sales cycles, you need either a fast trotter or a racehorse. It's very difficult for the, we just found that slow plow horse, slow methodical plow horse is not self-directed enough to be able to be successful in sales. They're always outliers. I mean, every time I say that, I say, well, I've got a person over here. They're, you know, as slow as the day is long, but they sell more than anybody else. Well, there's one out of 10,000. There's always outliers. So I'm talking about in general. The other thing that's important when it comes to traits related to sales is pace of work also is determined by how analytical a person is and also how compassionate they are. If they're too analytical and too compassionate, they get slowed down in details and conversations. So depending upon the type of sales it will depend on how analytical or how compassionate they need to be. And then we can measure traits that 
determine whether they're going to be coachable. Now, coachability is part personality and part behaviors. So just to sum this up, personality, we're basically looking at pace of work, introvert, extrovert, how analytical, how compassionate a person is. If a person has the right personality, that's about 35% of what's needed. So I hear it all the time, Steve, I can't find anybody that can pass your personality assessment. Well, we're not necessarily looking for a person who has an A-plus score on a personality assessment. We're looking for people who can get close to an A-plus score. And we're trying to avoid people who are very far away from our benchmark. So a good personality assessment has a benchmark that's tied to the, the company and the sales job for which the person's applying. You can't use a personality assessment, or you can use it, but you can't effectively use it. <laughs> if it's benchmarked for real estate and you're hiring insurance salespeople, it has the wrong benchmark. So if you have the right benchmark, we're trying to get close to the benchmark. But again, it's 35% at most. So we have intelligence at 20. We have personality at about 35. The other 45% is made up of learned behaviors. From the time a person's born until the time that you're interviewing them, they have a biography. And here's the basic psychology that the data shows. Age zero to two, parents are trying to keep the child alive with food and also uh, nurturing and holding. From two to four, that's the window of where they need to be socialized with other children. And to socialize a child, you're, you're teaching them to treat other children the way they want to be treated. You're also teaching them when other children treat you badly, how do you respond to that? So this is very close, supervised socialization of your child with other kids. Kids like to play games. So you teach them to play games. And we don't have time to get into all of that, but that if that socialization doesn't occur at all, typically that person ends up in prison because after age four, if that two to four was horrible, it's hard to turn that around. Now, the degree to which it's good or bad varies all across the board because everybody has different parenting skills. But what we want to know in the interview is we want to know, did they get socialized? Because what is going to impact them on the job is how they treat other people, how well they play the game of life, and most importantly, their self-esteem. Now, self-esteem is, a lot of people define that differently. When I use that term, I mean, did the parents give them the balance of praise and approval and disapproval and discipline so that they believe, if I work hard, if I do the right thing, good things will happen to me. I can control the outcomes of my future by my present behavior. That's self-esteem. And that's built in that socialization period between two and four. After age four, between age four and 13, it's just a continuation of that. Foundation that was set from two to four has an impact between four and 13. And then when they turn 13, we're trying to keep them alive. Because they're not going to listen to anything else, okay? Yeah. And then when they hit their mid-30s, all of a sudden, they think that their parents have gotten smarter. So <laughs> what we're looking for is we're looking to try to see if they were socialized so that we can measure four character traits. Honesty, 
work ethic, concern for other people, and accepts responsibility? Are they willing to live with the consequences of the truth? I was actually talking to a manager that I said, this person here on this particular personality trait, they had a really high score, which indicates that they may struggle with the consequences of the truth because they were trying to fake the assessment. And the manager said, well, I've got a high score on that too. And when I took the assessment, I was trying to guess the right answer. And I said, why are you admitting to me you're dishonest? Because the the instructions say you're going to get the best benefit from this if you're going to be honest. So honesty is an epidemic out there with some people. They're not willing to live their life so that whatever happens, I'd rather deal with the results of honesty than to deal with the results of being dishonest. So we have to measure that. Concern for other people, the golden rule. Do I treat other people the way I want to be treated? And accepts responsibility. Are they willing to pick up a load and trudge up the mountain? My parents brought me into this world. They gave me some tools to work with, but it's my job to live my life. I've got to solve my own problems. I've got to make my own way. I've got to go get a job. And when somebody's paying me to work for them, I'm going to earn every single penny. I'm going to go above and I'm going to go beyond. And that's the other epidemic that we have today. People want an easy job with high pay and they call it work-life balance, (laughs) which is an overused term. So honesty, work ethic, concern for others and accept responsibility. So are they willing to work hard? to get what they want. We call those character traits. That's also called conscientiousness. But you have to measure those with interview questions. You can look at their resume and their work history. If you have the right set of questions for each trait, you can measure that. And so we actually have an interview guide. The questions are labeled. If you want to find out about work ethic, just ask those questions, which I'll divert here to interview skills here for a second. If you want to sharpen your interview skills, it's pretty easy. Read the question and don't talk. Read the next question. Don't talk. You're going to get information that you would have never gotten because the tendency is to sell the candidate on the career rather than sell the candidate on the career and your selection process. So get them to volunteer to step into your selection process. That way, they'll take your assessments and they'll go through your interviews with you. So we have intelligence, we have personality, and we have character. We also need to look at what are their motivations. There's a lot of people today saying, you know, money motivation is not enough. Well, in sales, it might be enough because it's pay for performance. The other people may have other motivations, and it's important to find those out. But studies show that people who have to take care of themselves and other people, or they want to take care of themselves at the same level at which they can earn if they do a good job for you. Money motivated to make the amount of money that they can make if they sell what you want them to sell. And then the final thing is, are they passionate about what they're doing? Why do they want to be in sales? Why do they want to work for your company? Why do they want to be in your industry? And we sell more when we do that. So intelligence, personality, character traits, motivation, passion for the job. Those are the five, right? That's right. Yeah. And you can think of that as CAMPS, C-A-M-P-S. Character, attitudes, motivation, personality. The S is skills, sales skills. We left out a letter for intelligence. I guess you have to be C-A-I-M-P-S. (laughs) So 
It's just an acronym there for remembering that. So those are the basics of those traits to look for. I mean, we have hours of training on what those are, how do you recognize them during the interview process. And so a good formula to use is when you have a candidate in front of you in today's world, because so many people apply for jobs that have absolutely no skill whatsoever to do that job, there has to be an efficient way to screen them out. And so having a brief telephone conversation where you make sure that, yes, they know they've applied for the job. Yes, they're still interested. Yes, they know what the job is. And then explaining what the process is. And then once they agree on the process, have them take the assessments. And some people do that the reverse. They'll ask them to take assessments and then have a phone call, whichever works. Hmm. Either way is fine. But you can actually screen people out with really good assessments. And then have a more in-depth first interview and a more in-depth second interview. And that second interview, it's good to involve other people so that you have more than one set of eyes looking on. And then if possible, check references and have them meet other individuals working at the company, on the team. So the more time you spend with someone, the goal is to, number one, know what you're looking for. And number two, how to look for that. What tools do you need to do that? And then follow the steps. Through doing that, you gather information. So if you have enough of the right kind of information, you can make a better decision. If a friend comes to you and says, I've got this limited partnership over here, it's a really good opportunity. Maybe 30 years ago, they might have said, it's some guy named Elon Musk that wants to start an electric car company that wants to get you involved. Then you don't know who Elon Musk is. You don't know much about electric cars or anything. Well, the first step is to do a lot of research. Get as much information as possible before making that investment. So some people will do more research to make a $10,000 investment than they will spend in improving their skills and gathering enough information about a person. And they're about to invest tens of thousands of dollars of salary and time. So it's sort of a different paradigm shift that's needed to ratchet up the frame of reference needed to become getting really good at hiring. And that frame of reference is I need to be an expert. I need to improve my skills. I need a system. I need the tools. I'm going to follow the system and the tools so I can build a better team. As a business owner, you know the importance of being able to set goals, track your progress, and see the results. Well, that's exactly what our partners at Today App Pro have been able to build just for you. Today App is corporate approved. It allows you to track activities, build custom word tracks. It allows you to calculate all your commissions and your bonus structures in a seamless fashion, and it integrates perfectly with your company CRM. Today App is truly the best office software to manage all of the day-to-day in one place. It can even manage your employees' time, track production, have a leaderboard with metrics, and has custom reporting. Visit todayapppro.com, todayapppro.com, and schedule a demo and let them know you heard about them on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line, and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. 
Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. Their financial dashboards and agency forecasting tools help you better understand your agency's historical performance, create and measure future targets, and see how your agency compares to your peers around the country. Imagine what it would be like to understand the impact to your bottom line when deciding to hire a new employee or forecast the impact rate changes or commission rates will have on your business. With over $200 million in tracked annual revenue and $140 million in tracked annual expenses, Club Capital has the data and the team to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. They will help you turn that back office stress into the backbone of your agency's success by giving you the tools to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book a solution overview with one of our business consultants. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be incredible if you had direct access to our expert podcast guest in real time and be able to ask a question specific to your business? Well, now you have the opportunity to do that. After three and a half years, we're finally launching a leadership podcast community, and we want you to be a part of it. We're launching this podcast community on June the 1st. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast, and you'll get all the details. You'll be able to interact with every single one of the podcasts that we record in real time and ask us questions and be able to ask the guest questions. In addition to that, we're going to have a monthly exclusive Q&A just for our leadership podcast listeners. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast. That's club.capital forward slash podcast and be one of the very first to join. I can't wait to see you in our leadership podcast community. I heard this quote, I think every one of us has been to a Chick-fil-A at this point, and whether you like Chick-fil-A or not, most people do, and you see the quality of the product that they have and the way they run their organization. There's been so many people that have tried to replicate what they do, and it wasn't one of the family members. It wasn't Truett Cathy or somebody at the leadership team Hmm. said something to this effect. A lot of people want to compete with us in the Super Bowl, but they lost in the draft. And so you've said the word skills often in this interview, and I've heard you say it before. I think that the thing is, is that if you have had turnover, and we've all had turnover in some way, whether good turnover or bad turnover, you've experienced that. At the end of the day, if you lost it all, nobody can take away your skills. I mean, if you're breathing, you're listening to this, nobody Mm -hmm. can take away the skills that you've acquired. And so I think that what you're saying is, is that at the end of the day, you're not born to be a great interviewer. You're not born to be a great recruiter, hirer of people. You can acquire the skills. That's what I hear you say. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, not that Steve Suggs was just naturally born to just have a, he's just privy to be able to select great talent. I mean, you may bend that way, but the reality is, is there's things we can do through the structure of the interview questions, the way that you learn to ask a question and shut up, those sort of things that you can learn along the way that bend the odds in your favor. Not once have you said, this is a foolproof system. You just follow this thing. You'll never miss. No, but you have a better chance. Is that fair? Yes, because people are complicated. There are thousands of formulas for a good marriage. Well, we still have a 50% divorce rate. (laughs) 
it takes a lot of work because two people are involved. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move quickly. Let's take a little bit. of time. Now we've gone through the process. We've reviewed this. We've improved our skills and we pull the trigger. You pull the trigger and you make an offer. You bring the person on. And I'm really going to ask this outside of onboarding. Okay. Now you can even share your thoughts though on where you think onboarding stops and where ongoing training begins. But I'm asking this question specifically from ongoing training, not the first 30 days of onboarding. We've discussed that with different Mm -hmm. people on the podcast. I'm thinking about what does world-class training regimen, what's a world-class training program look like? Mm -hmm. So share with me, let's say I brought on three people. What does that actually need to look like to put together a Mm world-class training program for these great salespeople we've just hired? Well, Coaching comes into that also. So let's talk about the program and then we can layer coaching into that too. Let me define coaching first. Okay. Coaching is, first of all, understanding who you've hired and how that person needs to be coached because you can't coach two people the same way. And coaching is not pep talks because they last as long as from the time the salesperson goes from your office and gets back to the phone. That's how long a pep talk lasts. So getting to know the person that you're going to be coaching, and it takes time. There are processes that you can follow. There are interview guides that you can use to get to know them at a very deep level and also understanding their personality. You learned a lot of the things about their motivation, their passions during the interview. Well, it's important to understand their motivations and passions as a coach. So the foundation of getting someone to maximum potential is, first of all, understanding how do they need to be coached? How do I coach them different than somebody else? And then, because most sales is pay for performance, figure out how much that person wants to make if or can make if they hit your sales target for them. Not the minimum, but the maximum. So let's say they make $70,000. Then you ask them the question, how much money do you want to make to get out of debt, to have disposable income? So hopefully with that kind of question, they're going to say your number. Now they have a personal income goal. So from that point forward, you don't have to mention quota ever again. I want to coach you to your income goal. And then we need to know the metrics for getting there. How much do they need to sell at a certain closing ratio in order to be able to hit that target? And then once you know how much they need to sell, how many presentations do they need to make per day? And then where are the prospects going to come from, which may get into another tar- uh, something else you want to talk about later. So it's important to have the metrics. And a lot of managers will say, you know, I don't want to micromanage people. Well, you're not really micromanaging people. You're giving them a plan so they can hit their personal income goal. And if you go to any manufacturing facility, they're going to have metrics. How much does this person need to produce in order for us to pay them this amount, in order for us to make a profit? So having sales metrics is key. The income goal with the sales metrics is the foundation. And so now you're coaching the person to help them get what they want. And when you set that income goal, it needs to be specific over a certain period of time and help them decide what they're going to do with the money. So if a person says, 
if I'm making $70,000, the first thing I want to do is save $6,000 so I can have a down payment on a car. So that's $500 a month. Now you're celebrating with them when they hit the $500 a month goal. And so here's what happens psychologically. When a person sets a goal, their optimism goes up. The number one thing that will increase optimism is to set a goal that's meaningful with a timeline and measurable. It goes up again every time you hit a benchmark toward that goal. Because all of a sudden now they're believing, I can do it. I've got something to aim for. I can do it. And most people today are aimless. They don't know what they want. I want things better than today. Well, what does that mean? What's better? One more French fry? Is it something more substantial than that? And most people haven't thought about that. Mm -hmm. So once that foundation is in place where they've got that personal income goal and you have the information that you need as the manager to coach that person the way they need to be coached so that they begin to respond and they believe that you believe in them and that, and, and that they believe you've got their best interest in mind, then you start layering on top of that sales training and needs-based sales training. Even in quick transactional sales, you're still using really good needs discovery questions and getting good at the needs discovery piece of that. It takes some products, the needs discovery phase is long. Sometimes it's short, but mm -hmm. if you're selling insurance, it's not just what's the model of your car, how many miles is on your car, who are the drivers. That's important to put the quote together, but other needs-based questions are other than price, how are you going about and making this decision other than yourself who will be involved in making this decision? When you're trying to decide which company, which agent to do business with, what's important to you? Call those the feeling questions. So there's fact questions. What kind of car? There's feeling questions. And even in that transactional type buying of just the automobile insurance, it's still a needs-based process that can be used in order to increase closing ratios. And so having that kind of needs-based sales training in place and then layering on top of that product training, do they really understand once you know what the problems and challenges are of the customer, are your salespeople knowledgeable enough about the product so that they can explain it in a way that people will buy? If they don't think you know what you're talking about, they don't trust you. People buy from people they trust. If you appear to be an expert, trust goes up. So sales training product training, and then ongoing practice. Things like word tracks and drilling and scrimmaging word tracks until it becomes part of the person's DNA. I mean, selling is the oldest occupation out there. A lot of people say that it's something else, but that was actually sales also. So we know what the formula for selling is. Mm -hmm. And so we know what word tracks work. There's enough people out there who put out enough books that you can find enough word tracks to handle all of the objections, to know what to say when somebody says hello, to know how to make an effective presentation, but getting those word tracks down so that they just flow naturally in every single stage of the sales process. Because people, again, they feel like they, you know what you're talking about and you know that you can be helpful. To me, what really stands out there is the way that you said, hey, it, it starts with the personal income goals with metrics and then wrapping it with a plan to be able to make that happen. 
and then kind of coming down into the needs-based sales training and then product training. And I think that at the end of the day, one thing that resonates with me is that you are differentiating. We think about training oftentimes, not everybody, but maybe just around product training. And you're certainly saying that that's a component of it, but that's not everything whenever it comes to actually the training formula for salespeople. I think that's good. I love the way that you broke that down into different frameworks for us to consider. Similarly, the way you did with training and coaching, I'd love to hear your thoughts around leadership and management and the two of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, that'd be the last kind of part that we cover here as I was thinking about it from a management perspective. Why don't you talk about leadership and leadership and management and how they differ from one another? Well, one is, I think leadership is more big picture. What are the goals you're trying to attain? And it's not just what are my personal goals for this business? What are my personal income goals? But also, what are some of the other missions that I have for the people who work for me? What kind of community impact do we want to have? How do I want to impact the lives of the people who are working for me? Help them get better. Help their families get better. So leadership is kind of that holistic, above the business impact that you want to have in all of those areas. And I think management is the execution of the plan for that. And that can get quite complicated. But first of all, deciding what those areas are and what the goals are, and then how you want to accomplish those goals, and then having a process in place with steps. The more you talk to CEOs, they talk about having processes, following a process. And if you if you take the head coach of a sports team, they're going to have coaches for different areas. In football, you're going to have a defensive back coach. You're going to have a defensive lineman coach so that the coach has to put together the team of coaches. But once they're in place, each coach has a process to follow because you practice. You don't go out and play a game in practice. You go out and practice for the game that's coming up. You're learning skills. And so every practice, every coach has a process. Monday is weight day. Tuesday, we're going to do these drills. Wednesday, we're going to do these drills. And there's a scientific approach that if I know what the process is and I follow that process, that's what's going to impact the outcome on the other side. And what's missing in a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, is they don't have the goal. They don't have the vision and they don't have the plan. And so the default position is a defensive way of managing. I come to work every day and I just put out fires. Things are coming at me and I'm just reacting all day long every day and you go home exhausted and don't sleep well. Well, the business owners and managers who go to work and they have a plan and process and what I'm doing today is I'm executing the plan, I'm executing the process, I'm being a proactive rather than a reactive manager because I know what my goal is and I have the plan to get there, I'm just going to follow the process. And then you trust the process and the outcome is always better. Now, that's a very high level generic answer to that, but it's, it's the same for whether you're running a business or you're employed by somebody else. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Leadership in the big picture and then the management is the execution of the plan for that. But that comes in with some of the areas that you mentioned, which takes in a few assumptions, which is 
Well, one of the biggest assumptions is that you've actually cast a vision to begin with. I mean, so have you actually cast a vision for where this is going? I mean, many people have heard mission, vision, values, right? But then did we take the time to actually put together what is the mission of this business? Why does this business exist? What is the vision for where this company is going? And what are the values that define who who we are? I think there's a reason why those exist and why somebody I just heard Dave Ramsey the other day on Instagram. It was a short snippet. He said, well, you haven't defined a mission, the mission and values, mission and vision of your organization. And he was having a conversation of, I'm sure it was an entree leadership type thing. And it was just this short snippet. It was just a good reminder of the importance of mission and vision casting, because then really management has no purpose if we've not really actually been able to say what the mission is. And then leadership is well, here's where we're going big picture, but yet do we even have a big picture for where we're going? Fair? Yeah. And then once you have that, it's putting the plan in place to get there. Right. And then management, every day you're working on the steps. See, the plan has steps. Step mm-hmm. one, step two, step three, it has processes. You're following the steps, you're following the processes, and that gets you out of reactive mode. And so when you say uh, you were talking earlier, I'd rather be working on my business instead of in my business. But you said, I'd rather be working above my business. Well, the way you work above your business is you've got to have that mission and vision and values. You've got to have the plan. And then every day you're executing an offensive strategy where you're going after it. You're solving the problems before they happen. I like the coming up on, by the time this releases, we'll be in the middle of football season. But at the time we're recording this, it's right before kickoff. I much prefer playing offense as opposed to playing defense. Defense may win championships. I've heard that often, but I like scoring touchdowns. Hopefully Auburn will score more touchdowns this year than they have in the past. Steve, this has been great. You've been awesome. People want to connect with you and your team, find out how you can help them and how CTS can kind of get plugged into as a part of their overall recruiting system that they have. Where would you point them to? Our corporate website is salesmanage.com, S-A-L-E-S-M-A-N-A-G-E.com. And there's, you can go in a lot of different directions there. You can go into the recruiting direction. You can go into the coaching direction. You can go into the sales training direction. And if you want to reach out to me, just go to my email address. It's ssugs, S-S-U-G-G-S at salesmanage.com. Awesome. Steve, appreciate you coming back on, my friend. I'm always glad to be here. Love to come back again. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that episode. I always learn different things from every one of the guests that we have on. And Steve is certainly no exception. I always enjoy the conversations before and after whenever we hit record with Steve. And I think there's always try to give one or two of the big key points. I think every time I come out of it, I think to myself, there is such a value in having a team full of A players and having a structured system to be able to recruit those A players. How do you attract them? How do you develop them? And how do you retain them is absolutely so key. And obviously his assessment CTS, many of you have used different things such as Colby and Strength Finders, et cetera, as part of the process. And I hope that many of you hear Steve himself to be able to say that that it's a part of an overall master recruiting system like to learn more about Steve, send him an email, connect with him with CTS and Can They Sell? 
Big shout out to our podcast sponsors, obviously, Coach P Consulting, Autopilot Recruiting, Club Capital, and today at Pro, talking to Steve and part of the overall process. It's a perfect segue to work with Autopilot Recruiting. Many of you use CTS, many of you use Autopilot Recruiting and have just given rave reviews about both. And they really do work in tandem. If you're wanting to be able to source really great, amazing candidates for your business, but at the same time, be able to then develop those people, that's perfect combination where Autopilot Recruiting and Coach P Consulting come in. They help you to be able to attract A players, utilizing, obviously you can utilize CTS or other different assessment tools that are out there. And then once you get them on board and get those eight players on board, you got to be able to develop them. It's just like in college football, you got to get five-star recruits, but then you got to develop them once they're on campus. Go to Autopilot Recruiting and CoachPConsulting.com. I have become a fixture and just love data to make decisions off of. And so whether that's the data off of your sales team, your service team, to be able to have clear analytics about how they're doing and to be able to take some of the word tracks, customized word tracks and put it on exactly where the work is happening. That's exactly what Today App Pro does. Go to todayapppro.com, todayapppro.com. They work with your CRM, your corporate approved CRM. It's a beautiful design. Your team is going to love it. And it's not something that they just use occasionally. It is a seamless experience that has an all-in-one for you to be able to put those customized word tracks that maybe you've gotten from Coach P Consulting or from other places, the way you like to sell. And at the same time, it's going to give your team exactly the insights they need for their activities and their results. And truthfully, the same thing is true with Club Capital. Being able to have insights into your financials is absolutely key. Go to club.capital. All right, everyone. Until next episode, lead well.